0: Bismillah ar rahim alhamdulillahi wa kafa. wa ala ibadihi amma ba'ad So if the sisters have any questions, they can please pass them up on note cards um, In the meantime, inshallah, we'll go ahead and begin the next session So, at this stage, what we will do is uh, try to take a bird's eye view of everything we've been talking about Because I think we've delved into the trees a bit, which is really nice But I just want to take everyone a step back to make sure that we all are on the same page before we move forward with the final session, which will essentially talk about what we can do to help prevent calamities in our life. Okay. So the first thing to understand, again, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has designed this world as a place to test believers. Allah Ta'ala has designed this world in such a way that believers will be tested. And every single believer is tested. No one will be exempt from this. Every single human will be tested. Now, the tests themselves can be one of two types. They can either be in the... Appearance of something that's outwardly positive Or it can be in the appearance of something that's outwardly negative Okay, so there's two different types Positive meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a person something positive Outwardly positive like wealth And the test for that person now is What am I going to do with that wealth? How am I going to spend it? And how am I going to respond to it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give a person health Health in and of itself is a test If a person is given health The test for them is How am I going to use this good health? So there's forms of what appear to be positive tests And then there's what we would consider Outwardly to be negative tests So for instance Poverty would be considered a negative test Now both are tests When you're talking about money Either you have it or you don't have it And in both situations Allah Ta'ala is using this as a test Okay So when it comes to these negative tests, the question is poverty. If if Allah Ta'ala has given me poverty, and that's what I'm dealing with, how am I going to now respond to it? And how am I going to react to it? If Allah Ta'ala has given me sickness, my test is now, how am I going to respond to this sickness? Following so far? So this is the general notion of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala giving us tests. They can be outwardly positive or outwardly negative, but in both cases, these are both considered tests. Now of the apparently negative tests, those things that outwardly are apparently negative, the reasons for these include two. Of these tests that are apparently negative, the reasons for this are two. The first is to test the believers to see if they will truly hold on to their world, their word of being a believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second is to provide some benefit to the believer. And I'm going to break these down, but again, I just want to give a a forced sort of perspective here. So these tests that are apparently negative, the reasons for this include, one, Allah Ta'ala wants to know, are we truly believers or not? Are we truly making this claim that we're making? can Can he put us to the test so that we can ensure that we are exactly what we're saying we are? And the second is to provide us with some benefit. Benefit in the sense of purify us from the mistakes that we make, elevate us in our status, and accelerate our tests. Okay? Now, when we're talking about the first type, which is test as to our believers or not, this is from the Quran. Do we think that we will test you? And that you, when you make the statement of Amanna, you think they'll just be left alone? For what purpose is this test happening? So that Allah Ta'ala can distinguish between those people who are true to their words. So that He can know those people that are fake in their, in their statements. We're following so far. So of these outwardly apparently negative tests, Allah Ta'ala does so to determine are we going to hold true to our faith or not and can we distinguish who's truly a Muslim and a believer in their heart and who's not or the other possibility is for the purpose of purifying us or rectifying us or elevating us in some way. We're following so far. Okay. Now the response to both of these examples, whether it be that Allah Ta'ala is testing our faith Right, and our iman, or Allah Ta'ala is doing this for some benefit, in both cases our responses are going to be the same, which was what we talked about in the last session. The response will be the same. We start off with, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. We inspect our life and we look. Sorry, let me re- take a step back. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi meaning we reaffirm our faith with Allah, right? In both cases, we reaffirm our faith with Allah. We. Uh, Exhibit patience in both circumstances and we review our life to make sure there's nothing that I need to do to rectify the situation Whether it be tawbah, whether it be leaving sin, whatever it may be. So in both situations We respond the same way meaning we don't have to figure out why this is exactly happening to me We have to respond in the same way in both situations Following okay now the main reason that we don't ask for trial and tribulation is because of this first reason. The main reason we don't ask for trial and tribulation is for this first reason, because trials and tribulations can be used as a way from distinguishing true believers from those that are not true. We are weak, and we don't know if we'll actually pass the test. We are weak and we don't know if you'll actually be able to pass the test. It's possible that we'll fail. When Allah Ta'ala says, Allah Ta'ala is trying to distinguish those people that truly believe in Allah. Because if someone has a true content heart with Allah Ta'ala and His will, then they're going to be willing to accept whatever Allah Ta'ala gives them with contentment, with sabr, with patience, ihtisab and expecting reward, and they're going to succeed. But on the flip side, if someone has doubts about things, or they themselves are uh, or, or, or not true to their faith, then when some, tribu- when some tribulation comes before them, they will fail, and they'll co- come out on the other end from amongst those who are the, the kathibin, those people who reject Allah Ta'ala and his decree. Following. Okay, so what does failure entail? When a person, tests, Allah Ta'ala is testing a person to determine, are they going to pass or are they going to fail? Failure, the other side of failure would be if after the test, I either decrease in my iman or I leave Islam altogether and leave my faith. And that's a real possibility when people undergo trials and tribulations. That's a real possibility. When people undergo trials and tribulations So for, we always ask When we're asking from Allah We always ask for afiyah We always ask for good, a, a, a good and comfortable life But we prepare ourselves For the possibility of trials Be it because Allah is testing our faith Or be it because Allah Ta'ala is trying to elevate us In our rank We ask for afiyah We ask for strength in our iman But we prepare for the possibility Of a trial coming our way and we prepare in the way that we've been preparing this weekend. We try to understand it. We learn what the adequate response should be, etc. Now, when we're talking about asking for afiyah and comfort, that doesn't mean we're asking Allah Ta'ala to give us $100 million in a yacht that we can you know, live comfortably with. It's that, Ya Allah, give us the comforts that are necessary so that we can, so that we can follow the basic principles the deen has taught us. I need a halal income so that I can support my family and, and a halal income so that I can become comfortable in my ability to worship you. Meaning, for instance, if I'm struggling with my day-to-day, my, week, my week-to-week paycheck, it becomes a little bit difficult. Certain occupations are such that it's not easy for me to break away from salah. Right? It's, just, it's just a little bit difficult to do. If I have a home that's maybe constantly you know, needs a lot of maintenance work, I'm spending all my time trying to fix up the house rather than focusing on, for instance, the tarbiyah of myself and the tarbiyah of my children. So we want afiyah and wellness in the sense that's enough and sufficient for us to get through this life so that we can worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accordingly. So now the question is, What increases my risk of failing if Allah Ta'ala is testing my faith in my iman? Meaning category one of those things that are apparently and outwardly negative. What increases my chances of failure? Meaning my chance of losing my iman from this completely or there being some detriment in my iman? What is it? So the first thing to understand is that when a person loses iman, loses their faith, it's not something that happens overnight. It's not something that happens overnight there's always some pre-morbid conditions that predispose a person toward losing their iman. And when someone has those pre-morbid conditions, and then Allah Ta'ala challenges their faith, what happens? They fail. And it becomes clear to that person, and it becomes clear to Allah Ta'ala that this person is not really a true believer. And we should ask for protection from Allah Ta'ala from ever being in that situation and circumstance. But it doesn't happen overnight. You know, the way to think about it, I, I'm, I have a medical background, so when we can think about it like this. Sometimes uh, we have, uh, someone needs to undergo, you know, uh, uh, let's say a surgery involving the heart. Or let's say a surgery involving the, um, I don't know, the, the leg. They need some reconstructive surgery on the hip. Now, you, Now, what the surgeon will ask is, what's their premorbid risk of having some catastrophic event on the operating table, right? What's the risk of this? Because if the risk is too high, then we're not even going to take this person to surgery. Let's just leave it alone. Let's just let them live with this sort of limp leg for you know, as long as they can live. But if someone's healthy going into the surgery, the surgeon will say, no problem, they'll be able to handle this test. And not only will they be able to handle this surgery, but they'll actually come out on the other end stronger because if they have an injury to begin with or a, or a leg that's not functional, now the surgeon's gonna put this person through this intense pressure cooker called surgery. And surgery is, is intense. I mean, if anyone's been in an operating room Sometimes surgeons are vicious, and they have to be. I'm not saying this in a negative way. Something as simple as what we say is a C-section. If you've ever witnessed what happens in a C-section, it is vicious. You know, this, it's, its I mean, you <laughs> you would think twice about doing it. But this is just, no, I mean, this is normal. So, if we can have um, just the, 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 if there's children, maybe the, the balcony could be used if possible. Okay, so... Uh, so, so, so so, this is very similar. So the, the surgeon will say, this is a young, healthy person without any premor- comorbidities or premorbid conditions, no problem. This person, when we put them through this test of the operating room, which is intense and involves anesthesia and pain and tissues tearing and et cetera, et cetera, this person will actually come out on the other end much stronger than before they had come in. Whereas you take someone who has, let's say, lung disease, heart disease, the chances of them surviving on the operating table are low. It's better to just leave them alone and not, and not, not put any additional stress on the body. So similarly, we can think about this uh, in, a, in a similar way. If someone has weak iman, and someone is already involved in so much sin, and if somebody is already spiritually very ill and very sick, the chance of them being able to survive a trial becomes much lower. Which means that on the other end of the trial, it may be a day later, it may be a week later, it may be a few months later, after that difficulty comes, there's a very decent chance that they'll lose their faith. Right? So that could mean, for instance, someone who's you know, barely hanging on to their faith in Allah and now Allah Ta'ala gives them some difficulty. For instance, they become sick and they're diagnosed with something. So now they begin to doubt Allah. Now they begin to doubt everything in their existence, right? Everything begins to be doubted. And now they move toward this path of kufr, right? So what does that mean? It means that if we want to, if we want to adequately prepare ourselves for these sorts of trials and tests, should Allah Ta'ala send them our way, that means that we have a lot of work to do in preparing ourselves and our body. Sometimes when the surgeries, when the surgeons, will, when they're getting clearance from the doctors, they'll say, listen, this person's not ready yet for the surgery, but what we're going to do is we're going to put them through a six-week rehab program, and once they're able to become more physically able, then we'll be able to put them through this stress of surgery, and then maybe they'll come out okay on the other side. Similarly, for us, before Allah Ta'ala gives us a trial and a tribulation, if we prepare our hearts in such a way that we strengthen our iman, in such a way that we solidify our deen, in such a way that we, uh, that we, that we reaffirm our faith with Allah, our, our, our salah is, is, is grounded firmly, and the foundation of all of these basic tenets and deen are firmly grounded, then the chances of, of, of us failing a test become much lower. The chances of us failing a test become much lower. Now This is relevant in particular in this day and age, because so many people, so many people in this day and age, they experience some difficulty and calamity, and that becomes the mechanism by which they lose their iman altogether. That becomes a mechanism by which they lose their iman altogether. Some difficulty befalls them, they become ill, and now they begin to question, but if Allah is so merciful, or let's say God is so merciful, then, and if a God loves me so much, what kind of loving God would put me through this difficulty? What kind you know, if for instance, you know, we, uh, and this, this, this type of thinking occurred even at the time of the Prophet, right? That, pe- that even people that had accepted Islam at the time of the Prophet had left Islam because of some trial and tribulation that the community had experienced. This is not something new. Allah Ta'ala has been doing this since the beginning. This has been occurring since the beginning. So these sorts of calamities, when they come down upon a person, they have the ability to suck away their iman. Now, For us that means we have to be prepared And I don't mean prepared in terms of alarmed I don't mean prepared in terms of anxious that the next thing is going to strike But prepared in the sense of Let me just make sure that I am firmly grounded I, my family, we're all firmly grounded Because should some tribulation come my way Insha'Allah it'll be a mechanism by which One, I can confirm to Allah that I am a truthful servant of his and I will not question his decree. And in fact, although I feel compressed, my iman will come out positive on the other end. Rather than being that individual or that family who experiences tribulation and experiences a trial and comes out on the other end, losing faith. And and leaving Islam altogether. So generally speaking this happens to people who have you know who who have very minimal connection with islam this doesn't happen overnight but it's something that's a reality that we see day in and day out many of us know people that have left islam because of this sort of a situation some difficulty came their way. It started in high school, started in college, uh, uh, and, and some ch- challenge came their way. And then they began to question, "Why is it that God's doing this to me?" Or they began to question, "If if if God is so merciful, like what kind of merciful God would do this to would, would do this to us?" Uh, if uh, you know, if 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 um, and and there's many other reasons for this. It's not just an akida thing. It's just there's, there's sometimes they're so perpetuated in sin that this gets sucked away, sucked away from them. So iman in our heart iman in our heart our attachment to our to the masjid to dhikr to quran and all of these things will provide us with some degree of protection against these trials and tribulations so we should be very mindful of this the point that the next point is, is everyone clear on this discussion so far it makes sense okay so we ask allah ta'ala constantly when we make dua that oh allah Make things easy for me in this life. In fact, Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, well, let's not not go there. Make things easy for me in this life, Ya Allah. Because I don't know if I'll be able to handle the tests that you provide for me. But Ya Allah, if you choose to give me a test, grant me the ability to be patient through this test and come out on the other end stronger and make me reaffirm my faith with you. And don't ever take away my iman. And I'm saying this because... There's a real possibility that over time, gradually, we lose our iman. It it happens to the best of us. It doesn't happen overnight, so I'm not trying to alarm anyone. But we should just be mindful of it. If we start to notice that we're slowly slipping away in our faith and our connection with Allah, then that one calamity hits, then we're off. We're off the ship. So just be very mindful about any detriment in our deen. Because that's the slippery slope that we want to avoid. Now you could say, I'm still very far away from it, but if I'm going in this direction and the calamity hits, I'm going down real fast. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ever protect us in that kind of difficulty and that kind of trial. The next thing to mention, we're going to probably wrap up. Are there any questions from the sisters? If not, I'm going to wrap up with uh, one additional point. We don't see any note cards passed. But the, ne- the the rest, of, there's only this session, there's one session tomorrow that's very short. And in that session, the plan is to discuss ways by which we can uh, seek protection from the difficulties of this world. But the reason I wanted to have this discussion is because I, I wanted to make sure everybody was clear that despite the benefits that come from difficulties, we are too weak to ever want Allah Ta'ala to give that to us. So if anybody has any questions about why, if that's still unclear, then I need to know because Otherwise, it becomes difficult to have the final discussion, which is what exactly can we do? Okay. Um, I don't fully understand this question. We're going to send this note card back and then ask for clarification. Okay. Now the, the question, now the next thing, which is, what are the things that we can do that we've learned from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and from the Quran that can help protect us from difficulties and calamities? There's a few things, there's three or four things, and I'm just going to mention one of them today. And it's a bit subtle, but I hope, I hope we can all get the point. I'll, I'll leave the easy ones for last, because I think by tomorrow, we'll, our brains will all be fried, and we'll be tired and wet, and we'll, we'll be on our way out. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, La nafsan illa that Allah Ta'ala will not give or burden anyone more than they can handle. This is the first time I think we've mentioned this. كَلَّفَ uh, taklif Gives the meaning of creating burden Or putting responsibility on someone Putting a burden on someone Or some challenge on someone Allah Ta'ala says That a person will never be burdened more Than they can carry on their shoulders It's just not possible It is not possible that Allah Ta'ala Will ever burden anyone more than they can handle So the first question So the, the question then is Um, So the the first thing we learn from this is that every human being needs to carry some degree of burden, right? Every single human needs to carry some degree of burden. Now that burden we can either place on our own shoulders or we can wait for that to be placed onto us, right? That burden can either we can place on our own shoulders or we can wait for that to be placed on us. Meaning... If we take it upon ourselves to carry responsibility of the work of Allah on our shoulders, then there won't be additional space for Allah Ta'ala to put additional trials and tribulations on us. If we take responsibility of Allah on our own shoulders, the work of Allah, guiding people toward Allah, taking care of the creation of Allah, and if we take that burden, we lift it and we put it on our own shoulders, and now we maintain this weight, there isn't additional space for me to go through additional challenges and difficulties. Meaning, the first method by which we can avert calamities or limit the chances of a trial and difficulties being placed on us is to take on responsibility of our, onto our shoulders when it comes to doing work of Dean. And this is very important. I, I've seen this and I've witnessed this in my own life so many times, that the people that have taken responsibility of Dean on their shoulders, I, I just don't see them experiencing that many challenges in life. It's not that Allah is specifically protecting them, per se. It's because there's no more space for them to be able to handle anymore. If I'm, living a lap, if I'm living a life of comfort and luxury, and everything's going well my way, and I'm not making any additional contribution or carrying any burden of deen on my shoulders, well then, it's wide open for me to get a flat tire, for me to have a sick child, for me to have, uh, be, be, uh, be dealing with X, Y, and Z problem. Right? These, it's, it's wide open because Allah Ta'ala has there's space for me to carry additional burden. So, the first thing is we should really make it a point. Every single one, every single person here. I mean, you look at the responsibilities just as an example of the camp here and the people uh, that are actually putting effort into this. This is a tremendous burden they've taken onto their shoulders. But because of this burden they put on their shoulders, Allah Ta'ala is going to protect them from additional burden. And, and, and this burden is more, uh, how, how do I say, this, this burden is easier than the potential burdens and challenges that other people have to face. So we should, we should make it a point that we ourselves and our families are involved in, in work of deen. We should find some organization, we should find some effort, we should find something that we can do to make a significant contribution, and place that burden on our own shoulders. We can't be sitting and waiting for calamities to come. We're going to go ahead and put that burden on ourselves so that we fill it, so that there isn't. So for instance, if I'm now filled with taking care of 100 people because maybe there are 100 refugees that I'm not responsible for, it's not possible for me to carry an additional weight of losing, for instance, my house to some flood. I don't have the capacity to handle that on top of being responsible for all these people if i have the responsibility for guiding people toward allah ta'ala and i'm guiding let's say a few a few people and they're dependent on me i've not taken that burden upon me allah ta'ala is not going to put any additional weight on my shoulders so we ourselves and our family should be very involved in supporting any righteous cause that's pleasing to Allah. It could be the burden of caring for the Masjid, it could be the burden of caring for other people. It could be the burden of, of caring for our parents. It could be the burden of carrying uh, uh, the weight of uh, the responsibility of Quran in our community. We have to fill our shoulders with this as a method by which we can protect ourselves from additional weight. It's a subtle point, and it's a subtle point to take from this verse, uh, but it's something that's that's something that you know we've witnessed this before. We've seen it before, where people that are just so busy with work of dean, uh, you just wonder how do they keep doing work of deen They they, are, they have so much going on in their life, and they're doing this. And uh, you know, I've seen it in my own teachers' lives, and I'm like, how in the world are they continuing to do work of this? Because Allah Taala has protected them from the mundane trials that you and I face every day. The mundane things every day—it's like, oh my gosh, another headache, another headache. You know, I have this problem, that problem. Small little headaches that keep coming up—they just they just sort of disappear. So, may Allah subhanahu wa taala grant us a tawfiq to to take responsibility on our shoulders in a serious way. Okay, so we'll end the session uh, here. Let me just take this question, and then we'll uh, start the. Okay. Uh, I think this is a clarification, but I'm not sure I, I still fully understand this. If you leave a challenging situation, maybe, maybe one of the brothers can clarify. If you leave a challenging situation, i.e. a test from Allah because you cannot take it anymore or have a breakdown because you're unable to deal with it, does that mean you have failed the test from Allah? So if this question, the first thing is, if you leave a challenging situation, I'm not sure what that means exactly. Usually we don't have that option of abandoning a situation. I mean, I suppose if it's If by this we mean our child becomes ill and we abandon the child. Yeah, that's a, that's a problem Yeah, so if this is for instance a spouse, let's say that I have a a, a spouse and I'm having a very difficult time dealing with them Um uh, and you, oh, I see, I see, I see. So can I basically abandon the spouse as a result? So there's a practical, there's a practical aspect here. In the case of, for instance, marriage, for instance. So the Sharia guides us in this regard. So if 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 a, if a couple are incompatible with each other, or for instance, one side is being abusive to one another, there are methods by which this can be resolved. This is not considered abandoning the test. In fact, this is called doing sabr, but dealing with the test. So when we're talking about doing sabr, but there's a method that can be used. To respond to something and the sharia allows for it, we have to do this. Meaning, for instance, I'm going to use a silly example which you'll all understand, but I'm just still going to use it, if, for instance, I am diagnosed with cancer, you know, if I'm, if I'm now diagnosed with cancer, I'm not going to just say this is cancer and I'm going to do sabr on it and leave it, you know, and just see what happens. I'm going to do sabr, but I'm going to take the mechanisms that the sharia has instructed me to take, which is to seek care. And if despite seeking that care, Allah Ta'ala still, you know, the the treatments are not working, then that's Allah's will. And I have to be patient on what his will is. Similarly, when it comes to a situation, for instance, like a marriage, yes, I have to do sabr, but if I'm in a bad relationship, then I need to address that bad relationship. I'm not just going to just do sabr and ignore it. Sabr does not mean to ignore the methods and mechanisms that the sharia has instructed us to use to solve problems. It's not a mechanism by which we become lackadaisical and we just ignore those things that need to be addressed. So, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of a common sense thing. I'm using co- common sense examples. If there's a particular situation, the sister's ask, and then we can speak after, inshallah. In terms of having a breakdown, like a mental breakdown, for instance, no, we talked about this already. It's acceptable to have a mental breakdown. It's, it's sometimes normal. Now, psychologically, is it health, healthy to have frequent mental breakdowns? No. On occasion, yes, it's okay. Uh, and there's ways to manage it and deal with it, but... A mental breakdown is not a sign of failing a test. That's a sign of being human. And there are ways to mitigate one's own, so one's own emotional responses to something. So I don't mean to say that it's fine to feel sad and you should just feel sad all the time when a tribulation happens. There's ways to mitigate it. All I'm saying is the feeling of sadness is not a, manifest, it's not a sign that someone's failing a test. But if it's, pre- if it's preventing someone from praying salah, that's a problem. You know, maybe that means that I need to address this sadness, right? If it's preventing me from taking care of my children, yeah, that's a problem. I'm going to need to, but do I need to necessarily tackle this emotion? If it's not interfering with my daily life, I don't, I don't need to worry about that. Uh, so the final session, which will be tomorrow, it'll, I don't know how much time we'll have for it. It'll be short, but we'll just mention an additional two or three things that are practical that we can all take from here, that we can do to help um, protect us uh, for, uh, uh, help our calamities be averted from us um, to some degree, inshallah. So that'll be tomorrow, uh, inshallah.